Welcome to episode number 43 of the Bearded Marketers Podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm one of your hosts, Rob. And I'm Corey, the other host. You can find new episodes of this podcast every Monday morning at thebeardedmarketers.com slash podcast. And obviously, you can also find them on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher for any of you out there listening on Stitcher Radio. Tell your friends about us. We don't have many listeners out there, so we could use more. If you're listening on iTunes, leave a rating, review, tell a friend. Do it. We're watching. All of those things above. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. So what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I had two drinks, actually, so this should be a great episode. (laughs) I had some Johnny Walker Black. To continue our theme, we just recovered from the polar vortex, but then I also tried Sazerac? Sazerac? Sazerac, that's what I'm going to say. I've had two drinks, so I can't talk. (laughs) So that's what I had. How about you? I am drinking a what I'm drinking a Moscow Mule with absinthe poured on top. We're not going to talk about how why or how that happened, uh, <laughs> but that happened. So that's what I'm drinking. Okay, so let's go ahead and kick things off again. This is episode number forty three. Have an idea for a topic? Give us a call nine zero four two seven zero nine six zero three. Rob mans the phone day and night. Doesn't matter. Family members, presidents I on the line. I blow everybody off. Yep. The bearded marketers is the top priority in my the life. The bearded marketers hamburger phones ringing. I got to take this. We're going to cover Gmail changes once again. I think maybe we need to patch in some thunderous music. This is maybe the sixth straight episode Mm -hmm. where we discuss Gmail changes. I'm glad that Google can supply us with all these topics every week. It's very refreshing. (laughs) It's almost like those comedy shows with (laughs) President Bush back in the day. Data fragmentation. Are you one that suffers from it as a marketer? What are some ways that Rob and I have worked in the past to kind of overcome that? And are you in the company of many others? Moving right along to the social front, what are some things that Rob and I have encountered on the social media advertising? Is it something that maybe you blew off too soon? Is it worth a recheck? What are some things that we're seeing both current and in the past? wrapping things up winning without a unique value proposition is that possible and or what is a unique value proposition we're gonna go back to marketing 101 right right because no one really i don't think seems to know what that term is but that's for later on so rob kick us off gmail they like to keep us guessing they like to keep us angry what's going on once again huge shakeup. Not really. This one did stir up a privacy shitstorm, as you could put it. Apparently, Gmail is now allowing users to email people whose email address they do not have, okay? So, for example, if I have you as a follower on my Google Plus profile, Mm -hmm. but you do not have my email address, you can, as you are typing the two, you can start typing my name in your Gmail platform, and it'll pop up my little Google Plus profile, and you can select it, and you can essentially send me an email Without having my email address. Ooh, I can get my creep on without knowing your email address. Right. The caveats to this are many, which essentially make it a non-privacy issue. I don't know why everyone's getting in their panties in a twist about this. But essentially what it means is, number one, for most people by default, you cannot receive messages from anyone that is not already in a circle in your Google Plus profile, which circles essentially are the equivalent of like friends on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't already established a connection with someone, they can't send you a message. However, it is possible to go in and change your settings to not allow anyone to use this feature, so you will not receive any messages, and or allow anyone to use this feature. So anyone with a Gmail account could, if you set this setting in the right way, they could send you a message through your Google Plus profile as a Gmail message. If that is the case, they will show up in your social tab. They won't show up in your primary inbox. However, if you do have these people in circles, they will show up in your primary tab. Which makes sense. Because you've obviously told Google I care somewhat about these people. Furthermore, if these people are not in your circles, they are limited to one message to you 
if you do not respond or do anything else, they can only send you that one, one and only one, and that's it. So I think, you know, obviously... There's actually one other one as well that by default, it's actually two others, brands slash companies cannot send these out. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And also that feature by default is turned off for corporate email inboxes Hmm. with Google accounts. Excellent. So they're already opted out. Good. So again, no need to get your panties in a bunch. People stop freaking out. Stop getting on the ledge about to jump or screaming on Twitter about how right. Gmail has ruined your life. Well, this is like the second huge Gmail privacy shakeup that has happened in what? Like three weeks now. Mm-hmm. Although both being non-issues really, realistically, if you really look at the, the, the technical implementations of what is happening. But I think this one is kind of interesting because I think we're going to get a little theoretical here. Yes. We may lose some people, but we're going to be talking about the internet moving forward and how things may be changing. I think that this is giving us a glimpse in the future of sending emails, which is that we don't need email addresses anymore to contact people. We'll just need people, right? So profiles of people. For example, for me, hell, I probably have like 15 email addresses, half of which I don't remember anymore and or don't log into. I really only use one or two. What's the point of having all of those things when I could just have people send emails to my public profile and I can set filters to allow certain people to do that and and not do that. And I think that that's just, it's the move that makes sense. And I think this is Google's glimpse of like where we may be moving with email communications and online communications. Like they're dabbling into the point where I know Facebook for a while tested their own email Mm -hmm. addresses and maybe this is their attempt to bridging that gap. Because like you said, for people that are willing to put themselves online and have a social profile, I agree with you that it it makes sense to have a more unified system of getting into contact with me because Mm -hmm. I don't like having to juggle all these systems. And as long as I can set up the correct filtering, like you talked about with only people in certain circles or people that I've identified that I want to hear from, then I think that you're right. That could be the way of contacting and communicating with people in the future and definitely probably clean some things up for sure. Well, I think absolutely. And I think it's a huge thing for us as marketers is that the future that may, that, that this may become is that we don't have to now design mail messages for 10 different platforms mm-hmm. and 50 different operating systems and different software programs that they could be using. We send messages through a sort of universal messaging system that then formats them depending on whatever device they're looking at them on. I think it makes things a lot simpler for marketers. I think it makes things so much more simpler for random users. I don't know how many people out there, for example, the sort of, you know, I can never keep track of what generation is the current generation that is in high school right now. What is that like? The non-spellers, or, we'll call them. or whatever. <laughs> you know, those people, I don't know how much they use email to communicate with each other anymore, right? It's all through messaging and through Facebook messaging and, and all of these other platforms. Through Snapchat, the, things like that. <laughs> right. So if there was a universal platform that then allowed them to... I mean, maybe the only thing missing there is when I purchase something on an online website, I I need that receipt coming somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's some way to plug that in. And so I just get electronic messages, but they're not emails. Well, I'll solve that for you because we're going to get to the point like Asia and some of Europe where I can pay with my phone. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if I'm buying something online, how do I do that? Do I touch it to my screen? Does it just know? Oh, that's true. Can it see me? Well, if Google Wallet or Amazon gets their act together, we can always purchase through them, then problem solved. Boom. Exactly. This is the future of the internet. So if if any, all companies just want to come to us, we can solve all your problems, obviously. If you start a website slash service that does this, we expect commission checks. (laughs) And we will sue if you do not do that. so. (laughs) So Gmail changes. Again, people, don't freak out. It's really not that big of a deal. I think really... 
Much like Facebook posts that I see people put, if people would do two things in their life, one, actually read the releases from the company and or always check Snopes to see if this is actually a real story. Snopes, that's a big one. Then people's lives would be a lot better and good, less freak out. Good general rule. Just don't freak out. <laughs> that's true. You're probably panicking about nothing. Just chill out. Just chill out. Add a little absinthe to your drink. <laughs> Everything will be great. All right. So moving right along to data fragmentation. For us marketers and website owners, this is really the new reality. Data fragmentation, what do we mean? Well, as the internet has moved on for the last couple of years, there's been more and more availability of different statistics, whether that's how many people on Twitter are following you, what are people doing on your website, what are people doing when they're watching your videos, how are people logging in and using your services, how are people responding to your emails, and all these types of things. And as a marketer slash website owner, it's really enough to make you want to just quit and retire to some beach and drink coke coconut drinks, not really have to deal with numbers anymore. It really makes it not just frustrating, but hard to know where to start. I mean, there's so many things available to you. There's so many services and there's so many things that are demanding for your attention. One of the things that we really struggle with is how do we centralize some of this stuff? How do we make it to where I'm not spending four hours of my day just logging in and pulling a performance snapshot of what things are doing. So if you want to kind of evaluate yourself and how you stand, eConsultancy partnered up with Adobe and ran a recent study of marketers and found that only 21% of marketers actually have some sort of unified dashboard or one platform where they can get all their performance stats for how their marketing campaigns are going. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that one platform is the end-all be-all because there might be some trade-offs there Mm -hmm. as you go to one platform. But there's certainly something to be said for not having to juggle 20 different things to get a grasp of what your business and your marketing efforts are actually doing as a company. Now, we've had the opportunity to work with a couple companies and really had to face this problem of trying to be an agile business or we're trying to provide a solution to a client where they want to more easily get a handle on what things are doing so how did we really go about that or what the mm-hmm. what were the issues that we were facing? Well, I think it's, you know, you're right. I mean, as these years have sort of progressed in internet marketing over the last, I think it's especially two years, I would say, mm-hmm. maybe, is is that all of these software programs have become incredibly powerful. Just simple things like maybe MailChimp as an email service provider. I mean, you could spend all day in there just looking at your reports. You can find out what city the person is in that just opened that one email. I mean, you can break it down to, you can look at an entire person's email history and how many opens and clicks and website visits and all of this stuff. And that's in, just inside MailChimp. And then you can jump over to Google Analytics and spend 10 hours in that looking at just the live view of just as people are coming (laughs) in and what they're doing and where they're coming Uh from and where they're going to and how much they're spending. And that's not even including all the little reports and deep dives you can really do in advanced segmentation. There's so much data available out to us. But it's, like you said, to sort of spread out on these like five, six different maybe platforms that we're using. The platform we're using to send emails is separate from the platform we're using to track website traffic, separate from the platform you're using to track video views. You know, there's all these different platforms. I'm not sure that there is really a good universal platform out there that I've seen that really ties everything in well. So what we end up dealing with with partners, like you were saying, is, hey, you can ignore. I think that's really the the solution that works best for now is, okay, yes, you could spend three hours in MailChimp looking at where all your people are coming from. But 
what does that really tell you? Nothing. Mm -hmm. So stop dealing with that. We can get some of that from Google Analytics. That's fine if you really want to figure that out. So drop that. So better time management. Right. And okay, so you could spend all that time in Wistia too. Well, let's, you know, let's pull some events into Google Analytics and then we can get some of that information out of there. And that's good enough. I think that that's really sort of the solution you have to take away is let's get to good enough and forget everything else. The time spent, like you mentioned, you can drive yourself crazy diving into some of these things. And that precious amount of time that you're spending doing that work is ones that are being taken away from like creative aspects. How do we reinvent ourselves or Mm -hmm. how do we come up with a unique ad campaign that people jump all over and it really helps lift our brain to a Mm -hmm. different place? And you really have to be a better... I would say manager of your time, but also understand, and I think this is getting a little more theoretical too, is the opportunity cost of doing some of that deep dive. Number one, are you really even prepared to do anything with that data for, or is it just nice to have or nice to fill in with a PowerPoint deck? But again, like what is the opportunity cost of what else you could be working on? I know another thing that we've worked on in the past, which for some people might make a lot of sense is to check out the different services that you have, APIs. Mm. So one thing that you can work on is creating your own universal platform very simply with the platforms out there and their APIs to pull in the data for you. So you might have your own metrics dashboard, MailChimp, as you mentioned, Google Analytics. All these services have their own APIs where you can pull in their information and you can work with a technical resource to build you a platform that maybe doesn't exist and maybe you don't get all the features, but it's enough for you to make a gauge on, okay, we just launched that campaign. It's doing well. I can look at my MailChimp and my Google Analytics information all in one place and make some determinations on do we keep going with this or maybe stop and work on something else. So Mm -hmm. working with APIs and building your own dashboard is actually more obtainable than people think it is and can be done with some relative work with maybe a technical contractor or even someone maybe within your own company. Because again, these are pretty well fleshed out technologies at this point and can be easily worked with. So One last thing before we go on to the next topic. I think we've spent a good deal of time on this one so far. But I do want to also point out that because we have all of this data, sometimes easy to get stuck into the psychology of not only spending all this time in it, but because there's so much data, using it to make small tweaks to your products because it's easy to see those changes. Instead of sort of like you hinted at there before, looking at the bigger picture, get outside of those stats and and really improve your product obviously use those stats to see the improvements, but don't get stuck in them making minor changes to little things here and there all the time. Right. You know, instead of going down maybe a very particular iterative path, go mm-hmm. down the more radical yeah. redesign approach. Yeah, yeah I like that. Data fragmentation. Maybe you're part of the 80%. Maybe you're part of the 20. This is the Beard Markers Challenge this week. Take a step back at all the data that you're collecting and take a hard look at, one, do I even need it? Two, how much time am I spending on this? Could time be better spent on fleshing out some more ideas? Am I just chasing rabbit hole ideas? And three, if I really do need all of these tools and this data, does it make sense for me to potentially look for a resource into combining all of these into one tool that I can use to more efficiently do my job? It might be an investment, but it might be worth your time and save you a lot in the long run. Moving right along, social media. How yep. do we get rich and famous on this? Rob, tell yeah, us. Yes, exactly. So social media advertising, I just want to touch on this. I've had some recent experiences with it and some successes that I kind of wanted to share. But I also wanted to bring it up because I know a lot of people, as some of these social media advertising platforms opened up their self-serve advertising, 
you know, ran out there and tested it really quickly and maybe didn't see much success or just sort of grinned and bared it because it was very expensive and they felt like they needed to be doing it and then eventually gave it up. I wanted to bring it up again because I think there's definitely still opportunity there. All of these platforms are continually getting better with their targeting, their features, their click-through rates, their ad placements, all of these things. And I think it's always worth continually checking these out on a maybe a month-by-a-month basis and maybe continually running small campaigns just so you can keep your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on with all of these social networks. Obviously, some of these ad platforms don't apply to everyone. But I think most people need to be aware of what is possible on some of these things. So let's just run through a few examples we've been running recently. One is YouTube promoted videos inside AdWords. This is something that I think maybe some people are sort of aware of, but are not aware of how easy it maybe it is to get up and running. They sort of hide it really well inside AdWords, the fact that you can select YouTube videos that you've uploaded and have them show up inside YouTube search results and mm. YouTube-related videos as if they're normal videos. A really easy way to get a ton of views to any videos, promotional videos that you want to upload to YouTube. And we've had some decent success with that. And I think that there's a, obviously a ton of volume on YouTube. Sure. For anyone who has any <clears throat> sort of video content, this is definitely something you want to check out. And because it's through AdWords, the targeting is unbelievable. I mean, you can get super narrow or keep it wide and just get billions of views. Um, so if you have video content, definitely check that out. Another thing I wanted to mention really quickly is Twitter's lead generation cards. So this is a relatively new feature that's been opened up to everyone. It was sort of private for a while. It essentially allows you to capture lead data with the click of a button from a user on Twitter. You can set a call to action, sign up for our newsletter. A button will show up inside of your tweet and a user clicks that button. You pay Twitter whatever it is, you set your rate, and Twitter sends that information off to you. So a super easy way to, to leverage Twitter. Well, you can skip a couple steps, which are that, you know, I don't have to now advertise a tweet that tries to get someone to click a link that then tries to capture information that I then have to deal with, whatever. Twitter's doing this all for you straight inside the Twitter platform. They give you a, a downloadable CSV or, you know, like we were talking about before, they have an API like everyone else that plugs straight into whatever email service provider you're using. Super easy way to get a ton of leads. Twitter's targeting, not quite as good as Facebook is or AdWords. They're getting there, and there's a lot of traffic for a pretty reasonable rate. One thing that Twitter has in its pocket that might be a little bit better than other social platforms is a really good international reach, mm -hmm. especially its penetration. I know in Asia is really strong. Some of the usage stats from some of the Asian countries is amazing that they are using it to usurp the news agencies. And so depending on where you're trying to reach in the world, Twitter can sometimes be much, much stronger than some of the yeah. other social platforms. I think their dashboard for Twitter is a little clumsy still, but mm. um, they've just also opened up a lot of good reporting that you can now look at. If you go into your ads account, you have to sign up for an ads, Twitter ads account. It's free, obviously. Once you get inside there, you can really get an in-depth look at all of your followers. You can schedule tweets now inside Twitter, which was what? something that a lot of other services were trying to sell to you. So that is now free inside Twitter. And you can get a ton of information about your account and when you send out tweets, how many follows you get back, how many unfollows, all sorts of great information inside Twitter. So definitely get in on that if you are not. Finally, Facebook ads. Um, if you do Old not, faithful. right, I mean, I'm sure everyone out there has got a Facebook page for their company. They maybe post there every once in a while. By the way, shout out facebook.com slash Marketers. Check us out. Like and subscribe. Yeah, exactly. Facebook has a ton of information that they can give you about anybody who's been liking or interacting. 
there are charts galore. You could, as we were talking about before, spend hours inside mm-hmm. Facebook's back end just looking at tons of different stats. Also, another opportunity in there, I mean, Facebook ads are a little clumsy to get up and running with. You can get unwieldy size campaigns because their targeting is very precise. But if you just try to get up and running with some small campaigns that, you know, target general audiences that are interested in your products, I think there's a lot of opportunity for some low cost traffic. Sure. And what's beneficial about Facebook as well, as opposed to some of the other ones, is they do have options to remarket as well. Mm -hmm. So they do have some contracts with some third party advertising platforms out there. So if you are into e-commerce or you set up some B2B campaigns, you can continue that marketing experience on Facebook to replicate some of your remarketing campaigns elsewhere, which I know for some people is actually really beneficial. Some of those retargeting options can be really powerful for those merchants. But again, even for some of the B2B services can be a really powerful tool that some of the other social media outlets don't offer as well. I think one of the primary methods they allow for that is uploading your email list. Um, And they integrate directly with MailChimp. Another Mm -hmm. shout out for MailChimp. (laughs) But I think that's actually the only official email tie-in partner they have so far. It's kind of a new feature. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely check out some of the options. I wanted to go a little bit further and say, I think that you had a really excellent point that I think bears mention again, and that I think that a lot of people were very quick to write off social media. They got into these platforms when they first were at the ground level. They ran some things. They thought, ah, this doesn't really work very well. I'm moving on. And I think that things might not have worked out for a couple reasons and probably worth a second look. Number one, a lot of other people doing the same exact thing. So I think a lot of people were inundated with just a lot of really poorly done campaigns. There was a lot of people that were getting into these platforms just because they were new. They had no idea what they were doing. And the amount of saturation of just poorly run things, I think, probably affected the network Mm -hmm. as a whole. But also, you have to keep in mind that Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, some of these social networks are still kind of figuring things out. I mean, they're not the oldest ad platforms out there on the block. And there's a lot that goes into understanding how to serve ads, what are optimized formats, how do we handle spam, how do we handle quality scores, how do we pair people up and serve them most relevant ads. People like MSN, Yahoo!, AdWords, DoubleClick, these types of people have been doing this for decades now. And I think that Twitter and Facebook are still figuring things out. And I know just from using some of these platforms over time that they are making some significant headway. So if you are quick to write some of these platforms off, maybe it's worth a relook because they have changed quite a bit. And like you were saying, there's a lot of data that you can mine out of them now as well to make more intelligent campaigns and be able to better gauge performance. So social media, give it another look. Lastly, we're going to be talking about, we're going to keep this kind of short, is winning the internet without a unique value proposition. That kind of sounds like a uh, Charlie Sheen statement there, but (laughs) we're going to go with it. Um, And what we wanted to really delve into is there's a lot of talk, especially I would say in our industry of what's your value proposition or what's your unique selling point as a business. And some go as so far as to say that if you really don't have one, then you need to relook at your product or your service, or maybe you just don't need to go into that. And, you know, I think first we kind of need to clear the air about what do these terms actually mean in the context of like online and clarifying the air of do people actually understand what they're talking about when we come to these terms? I know that you had some thoughts around that Mm -hmm. to come down on Professor Rob. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, marketing 101. You, you think I um, forgot about that, did you? <laughs> I think people try to get too academic with a lot of the things, just in marketing in general. And then when you try to apply some of those things in the real world, it gets a little bit more difficult. How do you start defining things really? In terms of unique value proposition, I mean, what does that realistically mean? I mean, it's supposed to mean what makes me so much better than everyone else selling whatever it is I'm selling, right? But realistically, do you really need that online? Do you just need to be a better marketer than someone else? I mean, right. is that good enough online? Can you use that value proposition with good marketing? Right. Is, is my Well, is my value proposition mm-hmm. that I'm a better marketer than they are or that I can get my average advertising for less than they can because I'm slightly better at it or I know these other advertising channels that they're not aware of. And I mean, some of the people just design my products and right. collateral better. Or yeah, or, or you know, my pages and websites convert better and it has nothing to do because with having a better product unless you consider your website as part of your product, right? Maybe. Mind blown. <laughs> but I think a lot of marketers would maybe look at that sort of situation and go, "Well, you're surviving on the fact that these customers are not aware of, right?" these other products that are potentially better. It's just that you've marketed to them better. And it's not that you have a unique value proposition. It's just that the ignorance of your customers, you're surviving on that, right? Which eventually will go away. I don't think that's the case. I think there will always be the opportunity for people who are better marketers, who may not necessarily have the better product, who may have a more expensive product, who may not have the best fit product for people to do better in the marketplace. Absolutely. There's so many examples of that in the real world. And I think that you're right that some people probably argue about the ignorance of their customers. But at the end of the day, if I'm beating them at something, then maybe that's really all that I need, Mm -hmm. not only to put money in the bank, but as long as I can sustain that for a term to drive out my competitors and at the end of the day I've won but two maybe for the short term while we're working on something that that is something that we have to rely on while we're doing some product innovations or it allows us the opportunity to work on some things in the background but I think again people need to relook at what is value proposition as it stands on the internet does it actually really tie into your product or some of those things like you were talking about is it the delivery of our marketing are we just better at at driving highly optimized campaigns to drive people to our website. Do we have better technology? Our websites are always quick to render. They're really easy to use. We're selling the same products. We might even be selling it for more than other people, but we just have a much better experience. And that's actually part of our value proposition. It's not that we're selling anything different or even at a better price or whatever, but our experience then becomes part of our value proposition. Don't get too caught up with the value proposition and how some communicate it as really hardcore looking at your products, but sometimes it can be things like the experience the traffic acquisition, all these types of things come under the umbrella of what is your value proposition, taking a hard look at how you fit into those things. And maybe you've been concentrating too hard on the value that you bring clients in certain areas, but ignoring others that can be just as impactful to the bottom line. So that's going to be it for us. Again, this has been episode number 43 of the Bearded Marketers. Thank you for spending your time with us this week. We really appreciate it. Write a review. You better. We're watching. Give us a call, 904-270-9603. Have an idea for a topic or struggling with something you don't really know where to turn. Maybe your boss is yelling at you. Never fear because Rob and Corey are here. And if we don't have an answer, then we can certainly put you in contact with someone that does with our experience in the industry. But until next week, again, this has been the Beard Marketers, and we'll see you next time.